seven by seven, if you uh, have missed one or more of these, it's seven minutes a day, seven days a week. Early service, nine o'clock, I kept saying seven times a day. I don't know. I'm, I'm playing a little hurt this morning because of, uh, um, I had a great wedding last night, but I mean, do me a favor, when, when, when your daughter gets married, let's have dinner before 10.30. Can we do that? Can we do that? Okay. So I did okay and everything else. The food, though, I went way over the top. But um, so this morning I kept saying seven times a day. But you can do that. That's okay. But the, the, the general idea of it is seven minutes a day, seven days a week to reflect upon Scripture. And if, this is your, if you've missed a few Sundays or you're visiting, um, we've given, I've given you different challenges. Like the first Sunday I did this, uh, we looked at Psalm 23. Last Sunday, I talked about a, one particular proverb and uh, talked a little about that. And this morning, it's going to be different because we're going to talk about one particular person in one particular chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 17. So the whole idea, seven minutes a day, seven times a week. And uh, several people have already told me, um, hey, you know what? My seven minutes has gotten longer than seven minutes. Is that okay? I'm like, that's okay. Um, But there's something different about the Bible. It's great literature, but it's more than great literature. And uh, as the song just uh, so aptly stated, it's uh, God can speak to us in different ways um, through the Bible. Lord Tennyson said that Bible reading is an education in itself. Another great writer, Charles Dickens, who we always hear about this time of year. Uh, the New Testament is the very best book that ever was or ever will be known in the world. So when we stop and we think and we reflect upon different passages in the Bible, something, something special is going on there. David, I'm going to talk about David in a moment. But he also wrote in the Psalms, Psalm 119, he wrote this, Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I will weep with sorrow. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me with your, by your word. Watch this, verse 29. Keep me from lying to myself. Isn't that good? Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I've chosen to be faithful. I've determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I pursue your commands for you. Expand my understanding. The Bible helps us with that. My understanding of life and of myself. And uh, that's that's been our theme, the seven times seven series. And so as I as I just mentioned, we, we, we go through all these things. Today I'm going to show you, I'm just trying to, maybe stimulate some thought to get you to do this. And, and as I said, your, your, my challenge to you this week is to reflect for seven minutes, seven days a week on First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to go through that right now. It's a story of David. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not, I'm not a scholar of much. I'm a scholar of David. Uh, David is, this is going to sound a little weird, but David is my guy. Um, from a very young age, I, I was fascinated by David, and I have read through his story over and over and over and over again. I went to Israel, traced his footsteps, because I, I love David so much. And it's hard to do now because, you know, you got the whole Palestinian thing going on, you got to cross borders, and people got M16s, and they're all around, and it's like, ooh, you know, what am I going to do here? And they talk weird, and, and you know, all the other kind of stuff, and... and um, 
But there, there is one place later, after what we're going to read about David, there's one place in Israel called En Gedi, which is where David had to run from King Saul uh, for his life for about 10 years. And uh, that's just like it was when David was there. And I'll, I'll never forget the feeling, you know, when you go to, if you're a history person, and you go to a place where people that you've read about, in my case, studied um, passionately, and just, just, just you kind of feel, feel it. You're like, wow. Here I am. So, I don't know much, but I know David. And uh, I'm going to take you to a passage that if this, is, if this is the first time you've ever been in church in your whole life, first of all, shame on you. But no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> if this is the first time, you, and, and there's always somebody like that here, we're glad you're here. We're, we're honored that it would be here. We really are. But if this is the first time you've been in church in your whole life, I'm sure you've heard of the story of David. And Goliath, and I mean, you know, it's in sports. All it's in sports, you know, terminology all the time. David against Goliath, and so forth and so on. So we're going to just take a quick look at that story, just that, that historical narrative, and I want to coach you, if you will, on how you stop and how you reflect on Scripture, and how you stop and you know, kind of make some application to your life. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna go through it. Um, we're gonna take an abbreviated look at. Um, at First Samuel chapter 17, what I'm asking you to do is read the whole chapter. We're just going to pick up highlights. I'm going to fill in the, in, in the middle some of the things that are going on, but just want you to know, because for time's sake, I need to do that. So let's, let's watch this. This is really great. This is reflecting upon the life of a biblical character, a real person by the name of David, later to be King David. We're introduced to him uh, at this point in time, probably around 17, 18, 19, somewhere around that age. Please, of course, keep in mind, you probably know this, but uh, a a typical 17 or 18-year-old in this culture would be a lot different than in the culture today, of course, because um, lifespan was shorter, life experience. I mean, you know, it's an agrarian society, and they a culture, and they're working from the day they're two or three years old. So, so just keep that in mind as, you, as we go through this, this narrative of, uh, of the Old Testament. So here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to skip down to verse 17, start there. One day Jesse, that is David's father, said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread, carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report and how they're doing. They're at war. They're warriors. Okay? for the Israelites, and uh, they're fighting the Philistines. Philistines are terrible, terrible people at this point in history. And when I say that, I can't even begin to tell you how bad they were. I mean, we're talking child sacrifice, we're talking pedophilia, we're talking just, these are just awful people, okay? The people of God are the Israelites I mean, they're not a picnic in Paris, but I mean, they, they have some values, certainly, uh, compared to the Philistines and the other Canaanites who, who were occupying them. Just nasty, nasty people. So, David goes to the battlefront where his brothers are. We pick it up now in verse 23. He's talking with them. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. And then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And keep in mind, this has been going on for 40 days. 
that Goliath would come out and he would taunt and he would be like, hey, Goliath's probably eight to nine feet tall, depending on which scholar you read. He's got a coat of armor of around 125 pounds. Average GI today where the whole body armor thing is about 100 pounds. Plus he's got a spear that's another 25 pounds. He's got leggings that are another close to 25, and this, 25, 50 pounds. This, guy, this guy's huge, okay? I mean, so if you can just imagine uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's seven feet, I mean, that, I'm showing my age. I'm sure there are seven-footers in the NBA today. I don't know who they are. But, um, but if you can just imagine Kareem, seven feet tall, about 100 pounds heavier, and uh, maybe another foot taller, this guy's, a, this guy's huge. So he's like, hey, come on. It's taunting the people. Um, Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge... Watch this. Look at this. The king, that's, that's King Saul. He's offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters. (laughs) That's... Wow. Gives him one of his daughters for a wife. And watch this. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. This is before Obamacare. This is amazing. (laughs) I didn't say that, did I? I'm sorry. Um, I didn't comment one way or the other. This is a big deal. Taxes have been a big deal even before um, recent times. Um. Verse 28, when David's oldest... Now, this is this... I have an older brother. This is just so typical older brother. I mean, I love my older brother. And he's, he's a lot bigger than me. And he's a lot dumber than I am, but he's, I love him. And, 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 and I hope he hears this. But in verse 28, verse 28, David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those... Oh, just, I, I can just, you can just hear this. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle, you little worm. Um, I probably added a few expletives in there, don't you think? You know, hey, you little. If you have an older brother, you understand this. Um, he said, what have I done now? David replied. <laughs> I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. He was asking, basically, and you'll read this when you read the whole chapter. He's asking, now, tell me again what happens for the guy that conquers this giant. Now, we don't know whether David was interested in the king's daughter or whether he was interested in his family not paying taxes, but he's interested. Oh, well, tell me again about this, okay? I want to hear this again. And, uh, and more than that, he was, he was, David had a tremendous passion for God. And he was concerned about God's reputation and the reputation of his people. So David was asking that question. Verse 31, David's question was reported to the king, King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'm going to fight him. <laughs> King Saul, verse 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're a kid. He's been a man of war since his youth. Are you kidding me? David convinces him. David, he starts telling him, oh, yeah, you, let me tell you what I've done. I've done this and I've done this and I've protected my dad's sheep and I killed a lion and I killed a bear and, a, and an elephant and whatever, not, not literally. But I mean, he, he starts telling him all the stuff he's done. And, and, and watch, verse 37, finally, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And I kind of I got the impression, he's like, and God be with you. 
I mean, that's kind of his attitude. Like, God be with you, kid. You're going to die. You know, that's, we believe King Saul's attitude. 38, watch this carefully. I'm going to come back to it, but watch this. Just, just take a mental note of this, verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail, it's a coat of armor. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now, keep in mind, a sling, not like, you know, it's, it's a strap of leather when you put in, and you, and you, and you use a little number with it. And, and it, the Bible, even in Judges, it tells us that the skilled men could take a hair, singular, a hair off a man's head with a, with a sling. I mean, these guys were really, really good. I even saw that when, I, when, we, when we were in Israel, some guys who had, who had practiced doing that, and they were selling, you know, they were selling David's sling, of course, you know, everything there, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, they, any way they can get a dollar from you. And, uh, but, I mean, these guys were doing this thing, and, I mean, they were just, like, picking off, off tin cans off a wall, literally, little tin cans. And so it, it can be done, and David was, of course, very skilled. I mean, you can imagine, he's watching sheep his whole life. He's watching, he's just practicing this thing, boom, 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 you know. And so he, he knows what he's doing. He's got five smooth stones. I don't know what he's going to do if he missed with the first one, but, but he, 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 was, he, was, he was ready. Um, so here we go. Now, this is the part that really gets interesting to me. And I've seen many movies on this, and none of them are any good. But um, you just can picture, him, at least I do in my mind, what it must have been like to be there for David and, and Goliath. Here's Goliath, this eight- or nine-foot mammoth individual. And here comes this little 17 or 18-year-old shepherd boy. Verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David and his shield, with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come to me with a stick? You little blankety, blankety. I mean, I mean he says he cursed at David, the names of his gods. Come over here, I'll give you your flesh. It's like... I'm going to kill you, you little blankety, 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 blank. And you can just, you can just see it, you know, just this, this contempt and this arrogance and this, you know, I'm going to, you're going to die. I love David's response. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come to you in the name of God, the name of the Lord. Of heavens, in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel's whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you, and then I'm going to cut off your head. <laughs> and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. David's passionate about this. And in the end, he's, he's, he's so jealous for the reputation of God and his people, that he says, it's a primitive culture. Keep that in mind. He said, you're going to die, and your people are going to see there's a God in Israel. And we're going to conquer these these terrible, terrible people who've been using and abusing others, including their own family, for generations. You're going to die. I mean, just, just, just just the, wow. 
Well, here we go. Uh, verse 47, everyone assembled here will know the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling. He hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. And you've got to know all the guys that are there, all the people that are watching, all the men that are watching this, the, all the armies. They're going like, oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, or something like that. I mean, you, you believe this? Do you believe this? And then, then they just, boom, they take off. And, and, and you see what happens. Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a, and a, and a stone, for he had no sword. <clears throat> then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. And the rest is history. And the, 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 the army of the Israelites conquered the Philistines after, after years and years and years of battle. Okay, you say, that's a great story, and, and, and granted, it's real, and it's true, and excuse me, that's what steak will do to you at 10.30 at night. Um, and it's real, and, it's, and, 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 and it really happened, and, 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 and it's a part of history. But now, how do I reflect on that? How do I stop and read that chapter, chapter 17, seven minutes for seven days in a row? How, how, what am I going to get out of that? You know what? I'm going, to, I'm, going to give you, I'm going to give you three very simple things. Okay? The first one is this. <clears throat> Life is full of giants. Right? Did this wedding last night. Just, they're gorgeous. They're just beautiful. I, I've known them and talked with them. And, and um, every time I do a wedding, I think, God help you. You have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, you have no idea. <laughs> now, I don't say that. and we, we talk ahead of time, and I try to help best I can prepare them for some of life's giants that come into our lives and so forth, and, and it's just always a, a special time and, and, and so forth. But, but, I mean, in your marriage, many of you can think of some of the giants that you've had to deal with. And you think through the seasons of life, and... And some of the issues, they're just like, how are we going to get through this? I don't know, how are we going to get over this? This thing's like this 10-foot giant in the room, I don't know what to do about it. You know, I mean, we, 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 we all have dealt, maybe are dealing with that. And, and you know what? It sometimes only takes, the only way we're going to do that is through God's power. Then you have kids. Love my kids, but gee whiz. Then you have to deal with issues, kids' issues, little kids' issues. Then they get married and they bring other people into the family. How dare they do that? I didn't have any choice. You know, who is this guy? Who is this girl? Who are these people? And I'm very fortunate in, my, in our situation. But, but, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a different change. And then they have to deal with issues. And, and, you know, it, it literally, I mean, if I did have a dollar for every sleepless night I've spent over both of our kids and their spouses and now grandkids, I mean, I'd, I'd be a zillionaire uh, because you think about it. And then these, these giants come in and you just pray, God, help them with this. Help me to know what to do. Then you start getting older and you got health crap. I'm, I say health issues, sorry. 
health issues. And, and, and you got to start dealing with that kind of stuff. Guy told me after the first service. He said, I just buried my wife. We cried together a little bit. He said, that was a pretty big giant for me. Married 40-some years. And, and I said, yeah. So, you know, somehow, some way, you know, we, we have these giants that come into our lives at different times in our life. And, and maybe, you're, maybe you're dealing with that right now. Maybe you're in between. Enjoy that, okay? Enjoy that. Because you and I, I don't mean, I don't, I'm not a pessimist, but we all know those things happen and those things come. You've you got to deal with them. So, so the first application I would make as I'm reading through this is, you know what, this is a real thing, but also applicationally, there are giants in my life. There are giants in the life of people that I love, and, 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 and you know, only by God's power and God's strength are we going to make it through this. Second application I would make, just stop and you read this, and you stop and you reflect on it, and you think, one guy did make a difference. One guy. 18-year-old punk, I would call him. And, and you know what? One righteous individual is better than a whole herd of ne'er-do-wells. I love saying ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> Can't spell it. My spell checker comes out with question marks like, what? But, but one, one righteous individual is better than a whole pack of ne'er-do-wells. And he said, hey! This needs to be changed. One person can make a difference. Maybe it's in your company. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's in your community. Maybe it's in your club. Maybe it's in your family. Church, whatever. One person can make a difference. And here's a classic example. You read through the story of David, and you read through just chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, and you think, wow, he really did have an impact. He really did. And that's even without reading all the other, uh, tons of other stuff about David and when he becomes King David and so forth. One person can make a difference. The third thing that I would point out, and you know, it took me a few years. This is where you got to keep doing this. I've told you, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot. I know David. Um, and it took me really several years to, 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 to realize this little discovery of King David. You know, and, and it comes from this chapter. It's one of the reasons I chose this. Um, I want to take you back to that passage in verse, uh, verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail, a coat of armor. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off again. He picked up the five smooth stones, and of course, the rest is history. Listen, here's, here's the issue. Don't ask me to wear Saul's armor. Don't ask me to be somebody that I'm not. Don't compare me with somebody else. This is true for you and your, and your family, friends. God made you uniquely you. Embrace that. I call it embracing the uniqueness of you. Don't ask me to be somebody I'm not. We all have to do some things sometimes that we're not the most gifted or talented at. We all have to do that. But the challenge here is I need to be in a place whether it be where I'm working now or whether it's somewhere else or in my community or whatever, I need to be in a place where I can embrace who I am and not try to be someone that I'm not. When I, when I 
discovered that little nugget, which is, which is clearly there, and probably someone smarter discovered it much sooner than me. Um, it was like, wow, that's great. Don't ask me to wear Saul's armor. I'm not Saul. God made me a particular way. He made you a particular way, uniquely you. You have a gift set, a set of talents that are uniquely yours. Embrace that. You know, get that energized and see where you can best use that, whether that be in your work or wherever it is, to be who you are. Because of all things, I want you to, one of the things I want you to take away from this is when you read and just reflect upon 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the things you're going to take away from that is, Lord, help me to find a way, whatever I'm doing now, to be and embrace who I am and the person that you've made me to be. I mean, that's, 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 I mean that, that's, that's money, right? That, that's great. That's a great point. And we need to stop and reflect upon that. I mean, you know, you could say it this way, just free to be me. Free to be who you are. That's kind of a weird way to say it, but I mean, should we be free? Yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's the way it has to be. We have to be free to be who God made us to be because we're all very unique. Three things, very simple. Life has a number of giants. God will give me the strength to deal with them if I allow him to. Second thing, one person can make a difference. I can make a difference. Thirdly, thank God that he made me who I am. I'm going to ask the band to come up and and, and Sophia and Steve and the guys um, and sing a song that, that, that really, I think, drives this point home. As they're coming up, let me pray and ask God to really uh, help us to understand this. Lord God, uh, help us to be the people that you made us to be. Help us to understand that. And for some of us, that may be uh, uh, launching just a discovery of, of who we are and what our giftedness is. We thank you that Jesus came and and lived and suffered and died and rose again to give us the ability to to have a relationship with you, our God and our Creator. And in doing so, it gives us the ability to, 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 to be more in touch with who we are and to use that giftedness, that those talents that we have, that we all have in different ways, uh, to make a difference. Thank you that you've given us the ability to uh, to be free, to be who we are in Christ. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.